Hello, and welcome to Hey, Hi, Who Are You? I'm your host, Medica Hess, and this is the podcast where we talk to regular people that do cool things. Today on the show, we have Emily Bartowicz. I'm hoping I said that properly. Her last name, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce, Uh, but she is a ballerina or a retired ballerina, actually. Uh, She joined the National Ballet School as a teenager and then danced in ballets internationally. Um, She's also creative in many other ways, uh, but I'll let Emily tell you more about that. So stick around and get to know her. How are you? I'm good. Congrats on graduating. Oh my we gosh. Oh, we did it. Hey, we did it. Cheers through the screen. <laughs> I'm so happy. I can't believe it. Doesn't it feel like we were in school forever? <laughs> yeah, honestly, it did feel like for it felt like a very long time. So much so that I'm like, now that we don't have to study, like I don't know what to do with that time anymore. <laughs> and like, what do I like I have my free time is back. I don't even know. Well, like, have you been, like, how long were you at Ryerson for? Was it four years or did you do a little more? For me, it was four years. You were yeah. a little longer, right? Yeah, I did like five, but like the last year was part-time. You started a little bit later, like, right? Because you were at the ballet school, right? Is that why you started later? Uh, Yeah, yeah. So I started, well, I was at the ballet school and then I actually worked as a dancer for a bit. So oh, cool. I started, yeah, I started in 2017 and yeah, it was a bit later. Cool. Wait, so, okay, I want to hear all about this because I know like in passing, I've heard that you were at the National Ballet School, which is so cool, but we've never really talked about it because we've only ever talked when we were in a group project. So we had to like talk about school. (laughs) But yeah, like how did that, so like did you dance starting like super young and like what's the whole story? I want to hear it. (laughs) Well, um, buckle in, it's a long one. Okay, <laughs> but, I'm in. <laughs> um, I started dancing when I was five years old. Um, so I guess from a fairly young age, I guess that's when most people start. Um, yeah. I was a total tomboy and like didn't even want to do ballet. I was following my mom. Um, but I guess I showed a lot of potential and I, I I'm kind of like a people pleaser. I have been from a very young age, so I very much like worked hard to impress my ballet teachers. And yeah, like as I grew older, I showed a lot of promise and eventually started to like it um, and stopped wanting to play soccer. I realized later on that I'm not very athletic. I just kept going at it. Um, When I was 15, um, my mom convinced me to audition for the National Ballet School. Wow, that's so young. Oh my God. <laughs> well, they, they accept students even younger. They accept students from, I think, 12 years old. Wow. Um, but I honestly, like, I had had teachers tell me I should audition, but for a long time, we kind of pushed the idea of it aside just because um, we kind of had this idea that the school is very expensive and not to say that I would have gotten in necessarily, but I think we were just like, oh, like, I don't know. And maybe, I just, yeah. I maybe it sure. wasn't a good time. Well, and also like yeah. being any younger than 15, like I and I see a lot of like, like I was in competitive dance too. And like, there were a lot of moms who were pushing their kids to like, yeah, like enter those dance competitions, like those big, like next star, or whatever those shows are. Yeah. And like some of them would have probably won, but like, I just, I think it's so young to be forced, not forced. I mean, I know the kids like it too, but like get like pushed to stardom or like to do some sort of career path when you're so young, like 15s, at least like you're a bit of a human, like at 12, you're like a baby. <laughs> like <laughs> Exactly. A bit more of an, 
Well, I mean, a teenager at least. Yeah, um, at least. So Vance's moms, have you seen it? Yes. Oh my God, your mom wasn't like that, was she? No, she she Good. wasn't a dance mom at all, but yeah, um, like definitely not. She definitely stayed out of like any kind of involvement, really. But I think she was just kind of the one making sort of decisions for me when I was younger. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think she just wanted me to do something and saw that I was good at it and said, you know, like, you should keep trying. Yeah, well, I mean, if you see your kid being really good at something, like, you don't want them to give up on it. Like, you want to nurture something that, like, you want to instill in them that, like, yeah, if you're excelling, like, at least give it a go. Like, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so then I was, I was 15. And the way it works is you audition for the summer. Um, And then the summer, if you get in for the summer, you spend a month uh, training, in the summer at the school um and then at the end of that month they either accept you for the full-time program or they don't um so, so I got accepted and uh, full-times like you would miss high school like you would go to ballet school yeah well wow. <laughs> the national ballet school is kind of um a very unique school in the sense that it is a high school oh. um or it is a like elementary slash high school because yeah you have half of the day as your education and half of the day as your ballet training. Wow. You're actually getting an Ontario public school curriculum or private school. I guess it's technically a private school because you do pay tuition, but. And like, uh, I feel like most normal schools, you don't have to like apply to get in, I guess, unless it's like an art school, which I guess it's kind of, yeah, it's sort of an art school. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, Yeah. I was, yeah. And I got in it was pretty surprising to me because I think I I wasn't necessarily like a very confident dancer. Um, I had a lot of natural ability. I was just like born with very open hips, which sounds <laughs> weird, but it's like no, it's yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. it's like a swimmer being born with long arms. Like maybe no, exactly. they don't necessarily love swimming, but they're built for it. So then, exactly. like, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, from like things like that I think people saw potential in that and kind of you know being (laughs) they saw your wide hips and went "Ooh, she's good (laughs) I guess so (laughs) I really honestly I just remember being a little kid and just like doing what I was told and just working hard and just like winging it but I was always so scared I was always so like insecure and and not confident at all but you weren't Um, that girl that was like I want the solo like you weren't like that yeah no no, I can't can't picture you like that you're very like like I don't know yeah chill (laughs) I don't think I have a competitive bone in my body (laughs) I don't know you don't necessarily have to have a competitive side or personality to like be successful as a dancer I think there are some people who are yeah um but I don't think it's it's crucial to kind of that yeah, that job. Well, if you're really good, which clearly you are, you didn't have to be competitive to get in. <laughs> you well, just thank you. And you just tried and you got there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, when I got into the school, like that was a whole different story because there's a lot right. of talent in that school. Right. Oh my uh, gosh. Yeah. What was that like? Is it all it's not all girls, right? No, there's no. guys too. Right. Okay. That's good. A little bit less catty than hopefully. Yeah. But. No, I mean, I think that um at like my class, my grade, we were majority girls. We have three boys in our class. So it oh. does make like an all girls school at times, but I think they're trying to even out the acceptance of it now. Yeah. Um, like, I think I remember reading in the news 
maybe a couple of years ago, they had a graduating class that was majority boys, which is pretty oh, cool. That is cool. Wow. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was good. I mean, honestly, it felt like this little, um, like ballet oasis, you know, it was just a fun time. A lot of students lived on campus and I did in my last year. Okay. So it's kind of like a residency thing. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Because there are a lot of international students that come from the U S from Japan, from, uh, I had colleagues from South Africa. Um, yeah, there's people from all over the world that come to the school. Wow. Because um, it is kind of, in Canada, it's unique because it is the only, actually, I'm not sure if it's the only ballet school that offers kind of a high school education, but um, it is one of the few, at least. Yeah. And I think that is something that is very valuable. Um, it's also a very world-renowned school as well. Um, I think there's a lot of our alumni all over the world dancing for very big companies and it's, yeah, it's, um, it's a good school, like overall. And I think it also was a lot of fun. Like the friends that I made there, I'm still in touch with a lot of them. It's just a very, like when you share an experience like that, you develop some pretty close relationships. So. Well, and it's like you were put in a situation with people you already had something so big in common with. Like that's such a rare situation to be in. It's kind of like university a little bit where like the people in your program are likely to be similar to you. Like in creative industries, like yeah. our program, like we are relatively very similar overall. Like I think most people you meet in our program, we at least have like you know, entrepreneurial yeah, things and vibe in like in common or something, you know, like, yeah. So it's kind of like that, like you got put into a spot where you kind of your, your ratio of people you probably get along with is probably pretty high. <laughs> yeah, like, no, that's true. That's a good point. Actually. It's like, yeah. when you have kind of a common, I don't like common well, passion, passion. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And well, you didn't have any like lazy people there that don't love dance. Like they all worked hard to get there. So like you all have yeah. that in common too. Like you're probably pretty like, I don't know, dedicated people, which is also cool. <laughs> Actually, that's another thing about the school is that it's kind of cutthroat in the sense that at the end of each year, they they um, they kick people out. Oh my God. So it is really competitive. Oh my God. Yeah. But I mean, there can be a number of reasons. It can be you know, there are some students that are accepted when they're 12 years old and they right. change a lot from the span of being 12 to the span of being um, 17, 18. Right. Um, and maybe they don't love it anymore. Or maybe yeah. whatever. Yeah. Okay. Maybe yeah. Motivation. I mean, maybe their abilities change. Like maybe they didn't athletes. excel at the same rate as other people did or something. Yeah. You know? exactly. I don't know. Yeah. Exactly. So it is. That was almost like an advantage for myself coming into the school a bit later. True. To kind of, I guess, go through that intense. Well, you didn't have to go through puberty. <laughs> yeah, like I was already. I mean, kind of. I was already through it at that point. I was probably still. Yeah. Through it, but yeah, but no, you had actually turned into like we were saying before, like a bit more of a human. You weren't yeah. like a child that didn't know what they wanted. Like you kind of knew. Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. Exactly. So. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty pretty cutthroat. So then, when you're in there, like. At, while you're in the school, do they already put you in productions like in Canada or how does that work? Uh, so in my school, 
there are a couple of shows during the year where you're performing um not a full-length ballet but like an excerpt from a few different ballets okay um so I actually was injured for the majority of my time at the school oh no exactly I my first year I was in um a ballet called La Bayadere okay um which is a classical ballet and that was kind of my first experience performing with the school um and then the next year we were going to do a ballet called Giselle Oh, I've heard of it. Yes, I think yeah. I've seen it actually even. Oh, I think when I was little, like my mom loves the ballet. So she would always bring us. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, Giselle is a classic and it's also a beautiful ballet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, you know, I was really excited to do it. I um, might have done it. I might have done like a bit of it at my old dance studio. Um, but it's a very beautiful ballet, very stylistic. Um, and I actually was... Um, I think I was, I can't remember if I was like put in the role or if I was understudying um, like a soloist role um, because whoever did the casting was someone who liked my dancing, I guess. And before even getting to like, I think I did like two rehearsals and then I got injured. What um, happened? Stress fracture in my, oh. in my tibia, my left tibia, which is like my shin bone. Yeah. Um, and yeah and those are pretty nasty like there are very common dance injuries getting a stress fracture but um you're basically like your bone is kind of beat up and broken and you have to take time off to heal and yeah and um coincidentally I got the same exact injury the next year no because it was it the same one like did it just not heal properly is that what happened yeah I think so I think it's like very common to re-injure that kind of an injury um don't heal it properly or don't give it the right amount of time yeah and in my case I actually busted the second time in an audition (laughs) no oh my gosh that would be so horrific did you like cry in front of the judges and stuff I just (laughs) honestly sometimes it shocks me how thick my skin used to be because I just like we were doing um fuetes it was the very end of the audition yeah like where your feet go out and in whatever right yeah yeah returning and I am just I am a horrible turner like I've always (laughs) me too I was so bad (laughs) really like I have so much respect for people who are just like so good at turning because I am not one of those people I that was never my strong suit and I just remember like you know, it's an audition, you're giving it your all. And I'm just like, trying my best to whip it out. But the repetitive, um, I guess, like impact of that one leg. Yeah, I just felt to get like worse and worse and worse each time I went and I just felt a sharp, a sharp, like pain, like a sharp crack almost in the same spot. And I was like, ah, I did it again. And I just knew it. I knew because I, I had felt the pain before. Yeah. Um, but at that point, I think we either had like one more exercise left or it was pretty much the end. So you finished so, the audition? Yeah, I finished the audition. Wow. Amazing. But yeah. I'm lucky it happened like towards the end because I don't know. I would have probably, I don't even know what I would have done. Like I probably would have pushed through it to be honest. Yeah. Well, yeah. true. I guess. Yeah. If it's not like, because I guess a fracture isn't like, it's not like a break where like, you know, it's like actually like separated. Like it's just like a crack in the bone, right? Exactly. Yeah. So like, I guess you can push through it, even though it's probably bad for it, but like you can physically do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely, you know, ballet definitely has like 
two sides of the coin. I think it can be very beautiful and rewarding, but also equally so very abusive. Totally. Your body is being put through so much, like just being on point all the time. I don't even know how your feet, like what, are your feet okay? (laughs) I mean, they're fine now. Um, I, I don't think I had any major issues with my feet, like on point. They, you know, they, they, they strengthen over time and they just, yeah. um, and you can just tolerate it. It is kind of crazy to think about, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like my grandma, like my mom's mom used to be a ballet dancer, um, like up until she was like 20 or something. And yeah, like her feet, like, I don't know, like maybe it's just, maybe this is what her feet were always going to look like regardless of ballet or not, but like, they're literally just like her, um, toes are just all in such a weird like they're all pointing in and like kind of like her what do you call it like a bunion it's like really big and like I don't know it just looks really painful and like it just never went away like she was like this she remembers it happening like getting worse as she was doing ballet and then she like quit or whatever but yeah I have seen feet like that for sure (laughs) they're like they go like this way yeah (laughs) it's weird it's like I mean mine are actually I'm lucky they're not that bad but Hmm. But um, yeah, there are some pretty beat up feet out there as well. Oh, poor feet. <laughs> um, so then when you started getting, you said you worked as a ballerina for a few years after. So how does, how was that? What did you do? So I, first I was kind of like in my last year at the school, but I was also hired to be a, uh, for a guest, guest contract at the National Ballet. Oh, like to teach. No, um, oh, to perform. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I performed in the Nutcracker, which <gasps> a lot of people know because it's um, a big production in Toronto come Christmas time. Yes, it's the most magical ever. Wow. Who were you in it? I was a snowflake and I was a pink flower. Oh, <laughs> cute. Flowers. And that was, um, I think, for a lot of students in the school, it, it kind of is the goal and dream for a lot of students to kind of filter into the company um but there's only like honestly a couple of spots per per year yeah Um, so it's extremely competitive I you know I had a bit of an advantage because um they hired me to work for Nutcracker um one of the uh ballet mistresses at the time uh she's not there anymore but she really liked me and she like always kind of um you know was on my side she when I first came in for rehearsal at the company like this little kid I was not little but I was this kid from school and I was just like so nervous and she actually gave me like a private coaching session um so like that period of time I just drove myself crazy absolutely like nuts because I really wanted to get that job afterwards um I was just like honestly like it was not maybe the best time mental health wise yeah I can Um, imagine yeah because I think you know the new environment like I only had a couple of people that I knew there a couple of friends yeah Um, I just was like working insanely hard insanely stressed I put an insane amount of pressure on myself I like wasn't really eating right to be honest like constantly something to prove and it's probably like always on your mind and like I can't imagine you'd even sleep very well because you're just like stressing yourself out to such a degree yeah that sounds really hard yeah and it was bad and after you know Nutcracker finished I was that's kind of the period of time where they um 
um, release the acceptances for the next year. And I was just waiting and waiting and waiting. And in the end, they didn't uh, offer me a job. So oh, no. oh. I think, I mean, the reason, the reason being that I was too short, I'm not that tall for a ballet dancer. Right. Um, I'm like 163 centimeters, which is like, like just about five, four, I think. Right. Yeah. Um, which isn't like that short. Like, I mean, you're much taller than I am, but like for a ballet dancer, yeah, that does kind of put you in a weird height bracket because what's the like are most people more like five six five eight or is it even taller uh, well it depends on the ballet company but the national ballet right. Canada, especially at that point in time was significantly taller okay I'm like like the shortest I would have been the shortest one yeah um, well and I guess the reason that 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 they would be hard to have you there is because of like like pairing you up and like in the in choreography you would like stand out is that like the issue yeah I mean that would probably be one issue I mean I don't know if like that was the be all end all reason like yeah but it might have been part of it yeah um, I'll honestly never know and it's really fine it's something yeah that, like because and anyways like because of that I actually um by sheer irony, I was my, my the job that I did end up getting was a company that wanted me because of my height. Oh, so, well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So it was a company in Copenhagen called Tivoli. Um, if you are familiar with Copenhagen, there's a beautiful, like the world's oldest amusement park in the center of the city. Um, what? The- I didn't know that. That's yeah. so cool. Wait, what's it called? The amusement park? Oh, Tivoli Gardens. Oh, okay, cool. I'm Googling this after. That sounds yeah, really cool. Really <laughs> and the ballet company was based within the garden, the amusement park. So, wow. Yeah. That sounds was- like a movie plot. Oh my God, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, oh, honestly such a great experience. And the reason being that I had to be so short is that um, the stage is one of the oldest stages in possibly the world it's like one of the oldest like pantomime theaters okay it's very small um and the stage is raked which means uh, it's like slanted a bit yeah and a lot of um a lot of old ballet theaters or, or theaters in general will have a raked stage because they used to build amphitheaters or theaters that had a flat um floor plan so the seats were all flat and you couldn't oh, see yes. up people's heads so you had to like the stage then to re- to to sort of compensate would be slanted so you're dancing on a slanted yeah. stage oh my gosh that sounds kind of hard like yeah I mean <laughs> I remember hearing about that in school and being like no way I'm never gonna do that I'm never gonna dance on a slanted stage it sounds impossible um but I did like of course that's my luck again um, yeah and I it was actually not that bad you get used to it it must have almost been weird going back to a normal stage after that, almost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it's like, I remember we did, this is not the same thing at all, but I remember we went on a, a week and a half long boat trip, like as a family once, like just, we have like a little boat and that has like a sleeping cabin and we went on like a week and a half long boat trip. And I remember like the first day we stepped off the boat and walked on normal, like not wavy ground was like, it felt so weird. Like it felt like heavy and strange. Yeah. So I feel like maybe kind of like that. <laughs> but that. That is very similar actually. Yeah. That's a accurate way to describe it. <laughs> yeah. But so how did you get that job? You just, did you apply all over the world when you were applying or? Yeah, so uh, more or less, pretty much. Um, Basically, it's kind of a funny story. I, 
you know, didn't, I got my rejection from the National Ballet of Canada. It destroyed me. I really lost a lot of motivation after that, but I did keep on auditioning. I had gone to Oslo to audition. I went to Bordeaux to audition. So like you have to fly to audition. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing that you even, that's so much dedication to even book those flights for that. Wow. It's actually crazy. And I think this is um, like a bit of a flaw with the ballet world as well. And I'm sure they're sort of reevaluating it now with COVID um, because you'd have these auditions. I would invite dancers from all over the world. And a lot of people would get cut like right after the bar. It would just be like, you know, you devote a lot of your own resources and time to kind of come to these auditions. And I hated auditions. Like, again, I was never a confident ballet dancer. Like, I never was. I never had that kind of, like, look at me mentality. Yeah, like, I'm here and I'm going to do it super well and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. So I actually never got a job out of an audition. Oh. Um, And the way I did get my job was that um, basically, I think I had sent an email to the director of Tivoli ballet um and he reached out to my artistic director of the school and um was like we're looking for a girl about this height like would you recommend Emily and um the art my artistic director I love her she's like she's such such a supportive person in my life like especially going through the school but she gave me a great recommendation and he didn't even ask to see me he was like okay (laughs) And you just and got the I job right off the bat. Wow. Yeah, it is honestly the most crazy thing. Cause I was really that year. I was so close to giving up. I was like, I don't think I'm going to get a job. Like I'm really just feeling hopeless about this whole thing. And I got one by like the most bizarre circumstance as well. I feel like that's the case with a lot of um uh, like actors as well. Like they'll do audition after audition after audition and they'll just start being like, well, nothing's ever going to work for me. And then yeah. it's always some connection or like some kind of random circumstance that does it. And like, but that, that makes sense. Like people are looking for a personal connection. And if he had that, like that, the director at Tivoli found that connection with your director and then, you just happen to fit it that's like such those stars aligned (laughs) I know it's crazy it's crazy to think back on because like really like I mean I was I was so close to quitting and so close to just like going to university at that point yeah well because yeah how old were you at that point like 18 19 or something I think I was 18 yeah yeah something like that yeah um but yeah then and then I I actually think I had quite short notice when I got offered that job and when my contract started. So I think I had like a month to sort of pack up my life and move. Wow. Um, yeah, but I was, uh, go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) I was, um, I was lucky because I actually had already a few friends in Copenhagen. Um, Oh, that is very lucky. Wow. (laughs) We're also dancing in, in Denmark. So, um, and they were from my school and yeah that was kind of nice to have like almost a little bit of family there yeah been with um, somebody or like what did you do like I feel like an 18 year old just moving across the world is like so scary but I mean a lot of people do it I guess but I can no, it's like it's like really crazy to think back on because I think one thing about ballet and like being taking it seriously and 
pursuing a professional career out of it is like you have to you become so much older much younger than most people yeah well you're Um, basically working almost a career from when you went to the school when you were 15 like yeah so you you do mature a lot quicker in that aspect you're sort of forced and it it just you accept it because everyone around me was like moving somewhere to to pursue a job and they just did it and I was like I had accepted this early on that if I wanted to be a ballet dancer that would likely happen uh so I didn't even think twice I just like I just moved there I was able to I think the job that I had I got was able to sort of help me find a place I moved in with um another ballet dancer at the company and um kind of a crazy living situation we lived with this like but yeah so the ballet company helped me find a place to live with another dancer there who became a very good friend of mine obviously and um the company itself was quite small so I would say that everyone who worked there we all got along for the most part um was there a language barrier like did you because like there must have been right like not everyone speaks English or do they well I would say Denmark is a very English speaking okay like uh, compared to some of the other places in Europe that I've been to everyone in at least Copenhagen spoke fluent English Um, right I guess it's a bigger city like that it's their capital right is it yeah yeah so I guess it's kind of like in Toronto like it's a way more like international kind of feeling yeah true exactly so I you know I never really actually um found it that challenging people were and people were also like very open to talking to you in English whereas I have met some reservations about that in other places I've been to totally yep that was very yeah it was very um comforting it was a very I would say like Denmark is probably one of the easiest places to move to as a foreigner oh Um, good to know (laughs) like um in terms of maybe like um well like welcomeness or it's yeah. a welcoming country. Um, and I mean, it depends who you ask. Like I had a positive yeah. experience. I'm also very lucky because I have EU citizenship. Yes, because you're um, Polish, right? Yeah, yeah. Polish. yeah. The whole family except for me was born in Poland. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow, okay, yeah. 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 I was born in Canada. Aww. But I do have a passport, so it made that process a bit smoother. I know that's not the case for a lot of people. So I'm yeah, because you could have had the issue of like a visa and all that. And then that just makes it so much more complicated. Yeah. But yeah, I have an EU passport as well. And it just makes things so smooth. Like you can literally fly from country to country there and like no one asks you anything. <laughs> it's so easy. And you can yeah. like, um, you could probably study there too. Like the sometimes yeah. you study for free. Yeah. Well, true. Actually, yeah. Why didn't you go to university over there? That would have been really cool. (laughs) Honestly, I would have. I think I did look into it kind of as I was planning that transition. Um, But there weren't really any programs offered in English that interested me. Oh, um, true. Um, And I mean, maybe in the future, like for a master's or something, I would consider it again because I love that city so much like I just went back for exchange yeah I was gonna say didn't you go there again like I saw your pictures and like I was like hold on a minute so yeah you've been there like you've lived there wait how long could it was back up a second you how long did you live there when you worked at Tivoli I was there for I think three years or just under three years oh wow yeah okay yeah. So did you come back often or did you just kind of buckle down and live there all the time (laughs) 
So I, um, I came back between contracts. So usually I would be back around um, like the winter. Okay. A break from, I guess, January until April or something. Okay. Um, so we had a few months off between contracts, kind of depending on the year. Um, there was one year that I chose to just stay there, but that was my last year, I think, where I just was like, I'm going to stay, try to make it work. And I got a job in a cafe and yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. Wow. Oh my gosh. You've lived such a like long life already. I feel like, like you're so young and you've already done so much. It's so amazing. <laughs> I, yeah, like, I guess that's true. I don't really take enough time to sort of sit back and realize it. But yeah, it was because well, like, you've had like a career before you even went to university. Like most people cannot say that. <laughs> that's true. I mean, not a very long career. It was honestly not that long, but it was it was good. I felt it was like exactly what I needed. So what made you stop? Was it like it just was kind of you felt done with it or you needed to move on or I don't know? Yeah. Um, I felt a bit stagnant I think in my yeah like going into my third year I felt a bit like um, I wouldn't say bored is the right term but I felt like I almost needed more yeah Um, and it was around that time that I also started my blog which was kind of like a creative outlet at the time Um, and I really enjoyed doing that and I think it was just kind of then that I was like maybe I, I, I didn't know if maybe I needed a new, um, like a new ballet company. Maybe I wanted to go somewhere else or maybe. Just a I, change you needed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I did do a couple of auditions. Um, in that time, of, again, like I'm horrible at auditions, so I didn't get a job, but I only did, I think, two auditions. And then was like, I really don't want to spend any more time auditioning. I really don't like this. Like, I love the, like the, the job of a ballet dancer is a lot of fun. Like I would say that um, it didn't feel like work. It felt like bizarre to be paid for something I love to do and something that felt like a lot of fun. I love my colleagues. I love performing. Um, and I just love that sense of working hard. Like I've always been kind of someone who will, who will rise to the challenge and, and work hard on it. Um, Very like that, satisfying to put in a lot of work and then you yeah. like, feel it pay off like physically feel it pay off which is cool yeah Yeah. (laughs) work as well um and I loved also the city as well like I loved Copenhagen and um but I think I just was like you know what I think that I need to sort of get out of the ballet bubble and try something new yeah like there's a whole world out there that you haven't gotten to really be a part of since you were 15 like there's just there's a lot more out there which your little bubble was great but like there's just so much more (laughs) yeah exactly like you pretty much hit the the nail on the head (laughs) what it is there's um I think like being in ballet or being in really any niche kind of a sport or art or you know anything really you are in a bubble and you're kind of isolated from other things that exist and if you are in that bubble from a very young age um you don't really know that much about the rest of the world and so I w- was very curious at that point I'm like what else is there what's out there at with my blog I was talking to a lot of people that were sort of outside of my industry and that definitely sparked more curiosity and then yeah and then I was like okay well 
I'll look at programs back in Canada. My whole family's here. So I think that was a huge incentive because I'm very close with my family. I really thought that kind of um, a good transition out of ballet would be uh, finding a program that could kind of combine arts, but still have something a bit more practical like business. Yeah, I, anyways, I got in. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna go. <laughs> yeah, so you were still in Copenhagen. And then when you got in, that's when you decided to move back. Like, yeah. I guess, yeah, okay. Yeah, I finished my contracts. My contract went until the end of the summer. And then oh, well, then you flew right back and went straight to school. Yeah, basically. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you're I'm- you must be very good at like fast packing and moving. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I've had a lot of experiences like that. Um, but I hate packing, which is quite, I don't know how I do it. <laughs> I literally just lie on my bed and like, please, someone do it for me. Someone do this for me. And like, yeah. I feel like packing always has some sort of emotion to it. I think maybe that's why most people hate packing, I think, is that yeah. the packing itself isn't that bad. But I think there's always, it's either something starting or something ending or like a change. So then there's like this weird like anxiety put together yeah. with packing, at least personally, I feel like. I don't know. Yeah, no, totally. There is such an emotional connection to packing. You're absolutely right. Yeah, which is funny. It's like, oh, I have to put these sweaters and fold them in this bag, but it's more than that. <laughs> more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Both the physical weight and the emotional weight. Yes, exactly. Baggage. It's all about baggage. <laughs> right, so in creative industries at Ryerson, I don't know if we both either either of us said Ryerson, but you your two like modules, because there's like 16 or something we get to choose from, right? I think something like that. Yeah, but your two modules were what were your modules? I was in interior design and graphic communications, which is like graphic design, basically. Yeah, I was in that one too. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And um, I guess actually we kind of skipped over your blog. You started it in Copenhagen and like what I've read a few of your articles and I really are articles, posts, blog posts, whatever. Um, But they're like, they're very like personal. I feel like is all, is your whole blog like that? Like, is that why you started it sort of as like a diary or like what? Yeah, I think. I so just a disclaimer I haven't written my blog on my blog in about a year at this point um just pandemic (laughs) yeah Yeah. I I just haven't had time or I guess emotional capacity to sort of you know tend to that um that being said now that I'm done school I'm hoping I can pick it up again um yes and I actually want to like sort of pivot the idea a bit maybe rebrand so these are some of the ideas that I have, um, because I do like having that creative outlet. Um, I think that a lot of them were personal. Like, I think for the most part, when I first started, I, I'm a pretty open book. I'm pretty okay talking about myself, my feelings, like what I'm doing. Um, even if nobody asks, like I'm (laughs) me too. just like word vomit and bringing it out there. Um, but I always try to like give myself a theme. So I think like I've had some, some more fun themes, like I had a 90s theme or a 70s theme and I've had um, a theme about uh, transitions as well, which I think was actually when I transitioned out of ballet and into school. Yeah. Um, and I really like to kind of extract the meaning of the theme. So I think a transition can be like, you know, literally my transition out of one career and into academia, 
um, I think I even made like a blog post about like the transition of my morning commute or something. Um, but I just think like, I find it interesting when you can have a word that's very broad and open-ended and just try to like pick apart every single meaning you can find. That's cool. Um, I, that's like very, um, like higher level thinking of you. (laughs) 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 Well, I mean, it was just like, yeah, I just think it was, um, again, it started as this very like sort of outlet to have my creativity and just like be, I, I, I've always liked to write. I, that was something I really liked from a very young age. And I think when I started taking ballet more seriously, I really put my writing aside and I didn't tend to it at all. And I, yeah. And then I started my blog and I was like, great. I forgot that I love this. And yeah. Yeah. And that um, kind of like you, I think you said that the blog kind of like inspired you to move away from ballet and like move into a graphic communications kind of more based, um, schooling which like that's really cool that like your own blog kind of like you inspired yourself almost that's so fun (laughs) (laughs) what an interesting way to think about it but yeah I've always been big on creativity and like I kind of knew I wanted to do something within that um and also I like briefly thought I wanted to be an architect but (laughs) very briefly because I you know, like Copenhagen is one of the most architecturally beautiful cities. Yeah, I was going to say, you were probably surrounded by it. You were like, this is so cool. I want to be part of it. Like for sure. Like beautiful buildings are one of the most inspiring things to me too. Like it's just like architecture is (laughs) amazing. Yeah. So how could you not like absorb it in Copenhagen for sure? Yeah. Exactly. That's such an effect on me. And I think that overall, when I do travel, um, I was telling my parents this yesterday, but when I travel, um, what stands out to me the most and what is the most memorable to me is the architecture and the people yeah the people are like warm and receptive that really sits with me I'm like super sensitive so that is just something that like sticks with me is is um how nice people are how like yeah they're welcoming yeah yeah um but yeah I think that so I didn't study architecture because I, I took a course, like I think I took a distance course before actually starting university. And it was a like an architectural drawing class. Anyways, <laughs> I wasn't that good at it. So I thought, you know, I don't think I actually want to do this, but um, I am actually working in architecture now, just on the marketing side of things. So it's Oh, kind of- that's really <laughs> cool. I didn't yeah. know that. Okay, yeah. wait, I have one more question about your blog. And then I want to talk about your architecture working right now. Okay. But um, it's called Fijord, right? Or how do you say it? Yeah. I mean, so there's not really a right way to pronounce it. And that's kind of the point. So okay. I, I call it, I call it, why do I even call it? I call it Fjord. Or okay. Um, so it's meant to be the word fjord. It's like, um, it's like a little inlet of water between like land. Is like yeah. Fjord. Yeah. Um, and I actually thought of that name while I was in Norway. I went on a little trip to, to Bergen, Norway, um, which is a really charming town in Norway. Um, and it was around this time I was like, oh, I want to start a blog. Like, I know I want to start a blog. I need something to do. And I just was in Norway and I got this idea. I think I probably visited a few hundred or something. Um, and the idea behind it is that it is the mispronunciation of a foreign word. And yeah, I like that. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's why there's like not really a formal way to say it. Yeah. 
Um, and I don't really say it out loud that often. Like I only really re refer to it in writing. So that's why I'm like, yeah. um, how do I say it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, totally. But, um, but yeah, I think when I first started it, the met the, the approach that I had was very much about like, I am learning how to be an adult and this is foreign territory to me. And and this is you kind of like making mistakes in yeah. this foreign territory. Yeah. No, exactly. I like that. It's it's very symbolic. I like it. Exactly. <laughs> and I also was living in a foreign country at the time. So right. it just, I don't know, it just made sense. I was like, this is what it is. <laughs> um, yeah. And like you, I feel like you're really good at photography as well. Like, I don't know if that's just like a hobby, but like your photos and things are always really beautiful on your Instagram and on your blog. Yeah. Like I'm not, a, I wouldn't, I don't do it professionally. I, um, do Instagram like like any normal person does Instagram um but I think I like to I think I'm like I'm somebody who um tries to sort of present or like capture beauty or what I find beautiful and like match colors or I follow a certain aesthetic and I I just like it when things look beautiful and I try to sort of do that to the best of my abilities um it works like you have a very like ethereal like very aesthetic like you can I feel like you have a very specific viewpoint on all your photos it's cool I it's like I don't know I like I know when it's your photo when it comes on the on the feed <laughs> that's so funny you say that because I'm like constantly asking myself I'm like what is my brand I don't really know oh you I'm have one definitely I guess it's just my approach I'm just like finding what is beautiful in my day-to-day -day life and obviously now it's a bit different because of COVID but I'm still trying my best besides that I like I also have a film camera I know it's like the trendy thing to do now but I really like taking film photos I love taking pictures of landscapes when I travel like I, I like to dip my toes into all creative outlets a little bit and I yeah. not necessarily like amazing in one or like um you know I think I'm just like a little bit good at everything yeah not, that sounds bad no like, no I know what you mean good yeah at disciplines and I like to sort of and I think that's also why creative industries is, is a very has been a very good program for me because it is very much like multidisciplined and um and finding ways to like mix disciplines too which is really yeah. cool yeah, yeah like absolutely. you could even like I don't know yeah like do like dance photography and that'd be a really cool like combination of two of your passions like I don't know yeah like there's just so many ways where you could yeah combine with different industries and just find yeah. a new way to be creative together which I think yeah. we were yeah, going to talk so about cool. your um architecture job you have now what do you what company are you working for what is that so I work for Hariri Pontarini Architects uh they're a Toronto-based architecture firm they do a lot of work um within Canada um some work globally um and it's really I just started so I'm new to the oh job. cool congrats <laughs> um, I'm the marketing coordinator or I'm one of the marketing coordinators and yeah it's a lot of fun I'm uh really enjoying it so far um and it's nice because I think you know, like kind of going back to how like Copenhagen really opened my eyes towards architecture and um, also just like urban design as well, because I think it is a very, it's like an oasis, really. It's a well-designed city. Public transit just makes sense there. You can bike everywhere. There's bike lanes on literally every single street. Um, 
And I just was like, wow, I've never seen a city function so well yeah. and it would be so beautiful and charming and historic. Kind of what I'm also seeing now with this job is kind of the opportunity that Toronto has to have very amazing um, structures and public spaces. And there's just a lot of potential. And I think that is something I really like about this industry. I think what I really wanted to do sort of finding a job post-grad was um, focus on, I don't know how to say this, but focus on quality over quantity. Yeah. I think, like, I am like, especially coming out of ballet where I would literally send my CV and headshot to every single company around the world and see who got back to me. Yeah. Um, I have adopted this mentality where I'm like, just send everything to everyone and see what gets back at you. Yeah. Um, But actually like, I don't think that's um, the best approach for what I call the real world. Yeah. Wait, did you get stuck with a, an online internship as well? Partially. So I, I actually started my internship while I was still on exchange. Oh, cool. Yeah. So almost like the, the blessing about virtuality is that I was able to complete an internship in Canada uh, while American sort of finishing off my time there. Cool. Um, But then I came back in August, I think. Yeah, it was August, like end of August. I did my quarantine and... um, Oh, wait. So you were in Copenhagen during COVID times? Yeah. (laughs) Wow, that's crazy. What was that like? I can't... Wait, what? So yeah, I'm surprised you were even able to come back. Like, you're really lucky that you were able to... Yeah, it was pretty scary. Um, To be completely honest, it was pretty frightening because I wasn't just in Copenhagen but I was actually traveling in Portugal while like the whole world shut down you know that one week in March when just like yeah and everything happened I was on a school trip in Portugal oh um, my god and, and you're away from your family you're like not even in your like home base in yeah. Europe you're like in some other place in Europe and you're like oh my god yeah no exactly so I um you know got back to Copenhagen like ASAP but I just kind of was like I I felt pretty safe in Copenhagen it was just kind of like if we just stay inside it's um like we'll be fine I was able to like still kind of enjoy myself towards the end um yeah um but so with your um internship I guess what was your was your role really similar to your current role that you're doing like marketing related it was a little bit different so my role at my internship was I would say more social media based I was also writing for their blog um whereas now I am working on what is called an RFP a request for proposal like that's oh, okay. kind of the majority of what I do um and for architecture firms not just architecture firms, but you also have like engineering firms, um, consultants, like you'll have, um, you have something called like, well, like you have RFPs because let's say the city of Toronto wants to build a library and they say like, send us your submission. Oh yes, kind of like an open call for submission. It'll be like, hey, all you design firms, like give us your pitch and we'll propose. Yeah, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, that makes so sense. What I do now is a bit more about like building that submission um, in collaboration with the rest of the team. 
and yeah, trying to get trying to get work for the firm, basically. That's actually a really important job. That's cool. Yeah. Wow, that's a great like entry level position Good for you. It's, wow. Thank you. I'm really enjoying it so far. I, I honestly like didn't expect that I would be but I am yeah honestly when when I asked what modules you were in I was expecting you to say fashion because your fashion is so fun I'm so surprised you you didn't want to be in fashion like every I don't know I I'm I'm surprised yeah. <laughs> well, that's like thank you for complimenting my fashion <laughs> don't know why I didn't take it it's I heard it's a great module I think at the time I was just like I don't think I've ever really wanted to work in the fashion industry to be quite honest. Like I've always been sort of, sort of like discouraged from it just because I think it's quite challenging to actually get into. Um, it's almost like a parallel to the ballet yeah. like world actually. Maybe that's what made you not want to go into it. You were like, I've had enough of that kind of oh, stuff. A bit of PTSD there. So <laughs> yeah, literally. You're kind of right there. <laughs> um, random but just as a specific fashion item that I've recently been obsessed with that you posted about was that jacket that like really beautiful it's kind of like this these colors yeah. like sort of peachy colored is that from a company in Denmark or no, where is it it's no. from, um it's a design she's a designer in Amsterdam right okay. now and anyways I was like talking to her I and she might be moving to Toronto at some point but well, um, do you but know yeah. her no, not personally, no, oh. just like the internet, but, cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, she, her name, I actually don't know her name, but the brand is called Masha with Maria. Okay. And she makes these recycled wool jackets that I just think are so beautiful. And so, so beautiful. What I do find very interesting about fashion is kind of like the decade trends. I yeah, it is really cool. Like the whole like recycling of of styles, then they just pop up again. Like I'm I'm very interested in that. Like, yeah, does that just happen organically, or like how does that happen? I'm I curious. And I will be honest. Like the most mind boggling part of that is is like current fashion because Y2K fashion is returning, and I remember just being like so confused with fashion in the early 2000s. It was so ugly. I'm sorry. No offense to anyone else, but I find it horrific <laughs> yeah, so ugly. so for the longest time I was like there's no way that decade will ever come it back came back there. so soon it came back no. so freaking soon I can't believe it <clears throat> oh I wanted to ask you about um working on rad man rad just rad it's just rad now just rad now. rad okay it's all rad yeah so I have been involved with student publications I guess my whole undergrad I was oh, cool. um, previously working with style circle oh okay like, also I guess fashion like I guess I do kind of like fashion I yeah I was a I started on as a writer at style circle and then I my in my second year I was the managing editor um, oh wow that's cool yeah it was fun um but it was also very stressful and I in my third year went on exchange so I decided to take a step back and kind of not be a part of a student group that year because um, it just would be too complicated being away. Um, and then towards the end of that year, um, I saw that Rad had opened up some roles, one of them being editor-in-chief. And that was like basically on Style Circle, that would have been kind of the next progression for me. It's yeah. Rogerson Art and Design is what right. Rad is for. And we 
in each issue feature fashion, interior design, and photography, which are kind of like the three programs at Ryerson that we sort of highlight. Which yeah. is like those are like the three main things you've been talking about this whole time. So that's like perfect for you. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I have a lot of interest in multiple disciplines and I just felt like it suited me. But yeah, I think I did have good, the right experience and kind of the right attitude for it as well. Yeah, like I think your personality fits with like coordinating people because like like you said, like, well, I mean, a good thing and a bad thing, I guess, is being a people pleaser. Like that makes you that makes you very good with interaction with like a creative team but obviously that makes it hard too but like it probably helps I would imagine I I will be honest I have learned a lot from this year being in this position it's not been easy it's um I've got a lot of gray hairs let's put it that way (laughs) (laughs) yeah I can imagine it's all volunteer as well like it's it's just a student organization right yeah it's a student organization so we don't get paid for the work that we do um unfortunately like I, yeah because it's I so much work it almost seems like a job <laughs> like it absolutely is like a job um and it sometimes feels like wow I wish I could get paid for this because I feel like it's so much work um but you know that is kind of the one of the cons of being in a student organization but one of the pros is that we get funded by our Ryerson you're getting paid in like in, I mean, I hate this, like when people say this in the creative industries, like you're getting paid an experience. In this case, since it is a student organization, it makes sense. And like you are yeah, yeah truly gaining an invaluable experience. You wouldn't get yeah. somewhere else. And like without the pressure of it being a job, even though there is pressure for it to be good, of course, everyone wants it to be yeah. good. But but yeah, it's a, almost a no strings attached experience that you got to be a part of, which is great. Well, exactly. longer, I just realized we've only almost been on for like two hours. um but I guess yeah if like you have any sort of I don't know I feel like it's hard to ask for advice on this podcast like for people to share because I am trying to talk to so many different creatives from different places but I guess yeah like if you had something maybe you would have told your younger self that like you wish you would have known maybe someone can find some like inspiration from that if you can think of anything (laughs) okay that's a hard question um I would probably tell myself to take it easy have more confidence like you're not doing a bad job so unfortunately my recording with emily got cut a little bit short uh because of technical difficulties once again um i'm still new to this whole podcasting thing as you know the recording cut off in the middle of emily saying something i actually thought was really valuable one of the things she said was that she's a very sensitive and empathetic person and that recently she started going to therapy and that's been really helping her and one of the main things she's learned is that it's actually a strength to be empathetic and sensitive and emotional. Um, It doesn't mean that she's broken. Uh, She she said she spent much of her childhood being a very emotional person and thinking that that made her weak and um, that she should be considered broken and that she should work on not being so emotional. Um, But she has realized now that it means she actually has the capacity to feel more deeply and to see beauty in the world and connect with others in a way that some people um, aren't able to do in the same way. Um, So now she's come to accept her um, empathy and her sensitivity as a strength. Um, I really felt that that was a really important lesson to learn. I'm similar. I'm a very empathetic person. And I think I also thinking that that's something I need to fix. Um, but I think that's a, uh, an important part of who we are. And um, in the same way that maybe some other people are, are less empathetic and maybe that is their form of strength. But um, 
Empathy is our form of strength. So if you relate to that, um, I hope that helps you. I wish I could have had Emily say that in her own words, um, but alas, technical difficulties. Uh, but thank you so much for listening and thank you, Emily, for coming on. Yes, thanks so much again for joining me on this episode of Hey Hi, Who Are You? Make sure to follow on Instagram and TikTok at heyhiwhoareyou.pod. 